in my whole career journey, I look like a career mutt. I've done so many different things, but I think what I've learned now at this stage of my career is that range has been incredibly valuable. I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm so excited to have my next guest here. We have emailed over the years and and finally get to be somewhat face-to-face here together over our Squadcast uh, recording. But this is Jeff Jones, who is currently the president and CEO of H&R Block. And hey. Yeah, nice to uh, sort of see you here and and hear your your voice. And super, super excited. I mean, Jeff, for those of you who don't know, he uh, came from 28 years of executive management and uh, leadership from amazing top companies, including The Gap and Target and Uber. And when he made that uh, shift and literally that move to H and R Block. I was like, "Wow! Like, what's going on over there?" I mean that that was uh, that was incredibly innovative and and uh, bold on on both sides to kind of bring in somebody with with no experience. I'm all for you know passion and creativity and bring in smart people. It doesn't matter if they don't have the experience. So this was definitely something that I you know, really believed was was ultimately a great move. But so Jeff has gone in and really being tasked with leading a company that is around taxes. For those of you who don't know what H&R Block is, I can't imagine that anyone listening to this doesn't know what it is. But he's going to share a lot of his just life advice and kind of, you know, again, he's he was uh, actually where I first heard about Jeff was at Target and he was running merchandising, which I'm sure he can talk a bit about that. And really during a time when, you know, there were some really instrumental changes that were going on at Target that I I just admired you from afar watching that whole thing go on. So no, anyway, w- welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So take us back uh, to, you know, Jeff, when Jeff's just starting out, what, what like, where were you? What were you doing? Oh man, where where to begin? I mean, I'm so thrilled to see you and and to be on the show. I mean, I I think my life story really began with entrepreneurial parents. And it's funny because people oftentimes start with their parents and my parents had an enormous impact on me. They were uh, mom and pop entrepreneurs. They owned a lot of different kinds of small businesses over the years. I never went to college. And they taught me so much, you know, just they taught me hustle, they taught me work ethic, they taught me resilience. When I was in high school, we went bankrupt uh, as a family, we lost everything because of one of their ventures. Hmm. And, you know, I was a kid in a little town in West Virginia, first generation college student, uh, had a high school class of 42 kids. 
And, you know, not everybody had a chance to get away and, and go to school. And I was a, I was a pretty good baseball player. And that was my escape to go to a place called Fork Union Military Academy to play baseball. And then I got my dream job out of college uh, in Chicago at Leo Burnett. Ah. I was fascinated as a kid with why people do what they do. Just insane curiosity. I had a creative spark in photography and advertising for me was a way where all those things together came together. And, you know, that was in 1990. And now over the last 30 years, I've just been uh, really lucky to work for incredible companies take a lot of risk, hopefully have some impact. And you're right, when I came to Block, and I've said this to so many people, but I I joked when I got this call because I have no tax experience. I've never done my own taxes, no financial services experience. And I said, I, I have a really common name. You must have called the wrong Jeff Jones. Oh, that's awesome. And it, you know, what I what I ultimately realized was you know, Block is a retailer. We have 10,000 locations in the United States. We have franchisees, which are small business owners uh, in and of themselves. They, they own this, this franchise called H&R Block. And we have a massive digital business. And so even though I didn't have financial services experience, this is a retailer in transformation mode. And, and that fits my skills quite well. That's awesome. So, so you went from Leo, was it then to that little beverage company in, in Atlanta and is, or was That's there right. something in between, uh, in between. So Coca-Cola and a uh, great training program, obviously there as Incredible. well. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. And then were you out here in San Francisco where I am at, at the Gap? Yes, ultimately. But there's a part of my career that you know, get skipped over sometimes because it's not big brand, mm-hmm. but it was actually some of the most powerful learning in my whole career. So I left Leo Burnett to go to Coca-Cola, as you mentioned, and I had a really close high school friend who at that time was working in the consulting business. He ultimately started a consulting firm and I joined him mm-hmm. and we did systems integration consulting. We really, you know, at his lead started a company and I was part of helping to establish and build that company. And then we sold it to a publicly traded company in Chicago. And so, you know, you know what it's like as an entrepreneur. I joined John at a time when, you know, we're buying office furniture and 
you know, getting established. And we sold the company, I think, way faster than we ever thought we would. And it really happened because we were about to begin the journey of raising money. And we met somebody who said to us, you know, if we invest in you, you guys have never, we were about a $20 million company at that point. And he said, you've never run a $100 million company. So we'll probably bring in a new management team. And he kind of consulted us that raising money might have an outcome we didn't want, depending on the investor. And long story short, that prompted us to ultimately sell to a strategic investor. We exited the company. I stayed through my earnout, And so that was a chapter that gets, that, that gets overlooked and then Gap. And that's when I was in San Francisco, really the first time in my career that I was in a job I wasn't ready for. And then the classic chief marketing officer career path, I was there a little over two years. A new CEO came in pushed out the whole management team. And here I was two years later looking for a new job again. Crazy. That's wild. So you went like, I mean, that is a big leap. Like you're at this consulting firm in Chicago and you get to the gap. I mean, that's incredible. And you really hadn't been in apparel. No, I I, I hadn't been in it. You know, there was a connection, an old Leo colleague hmm. who had gone when I went to Coca-Cola, she had gone to Old Navy as CMO. And when she saw all of this go down with this company in Chicago, she called me and said, I think you should come here. I think, you, sh- you know, Gap is looking for a CMO. And again, you know, made the introduction and I ultimately got the job. I think if, if I step back from that and, and, you know, in my whole career journey, I look like a career mutt. I've done so many different things, but I think what I've learned now at this stage of my career is that range has been incredibly valuable. Totally. Just constantly learning new things, building new skills, approaching problems from different perspectives. And that's what I try to teach to my team today is, you know, there are no more easy problems. Mm -hmm. And so we all face problems that are harder than ever. There's no clear answer. And to be able to step back and see a problem from different perspectives and remember experiences that are similar, but not exactly the same, I I honestly think has helped me uh, become a better problem solver over time. Yeah, totally. Well, also to use your, uh, your baseball days, I mean, I I feel like you just said, put me in the game, right? Like you were just like, you know, what'd you have to lose, right? As my dad used to remind me all the time. And, and uh, I just uh, wrote a book and came out a few weeks ago and it's called Undaunted Overcoming Doubts and Doubters and something I talk about in, in there that I just always had this ability to, you know, kind of show up and and just like say, put me in. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, everything from moving from Arizona to New York, because I thought it'd be just really exciting. I didn't know anybody when I did that. And then you and I are the same age. And, you know, for me, moving from Scottsdale, Arizona, which was like a hundred thousand ish people to, you know, New York city with subways, like it was a big deal. And that's when I was, uh, you know, working in media and I'll never forget. I got a call from CNN and they're like, Oh, we're thinking of doing this thing called the airport channel. And like, would you like, do you know how to write a business plan? I'd written a few in school and, you know, (laughs) but not really like, and, and, you know, and somehow Ted Turner had equated like, copies of magazines that we were putting in airports with putting monitors like hardware up in 
like oh, that's interesting. and so i was like uh well they're kind of different but i could probably do it and i had no idea whether or not i could do it um but i was like it'd be it'd be a great story anyway if it doesn't really work out and uh we'll see what happens and so i mean i've i've very much been in that kind of you know headspace of like well if it you know if it fails, it'll be a you know great conversation. And in the meantime, it's like, I don't know, it's it's kind of worked out along the way as I've just gone and tried things and just gone and, you know, figured it out ultimately, um, which it sounds like you clearly uh, did. Absolutely. I don't know if you agree with this or not, but if if you know exactly how you're going to do something, it's not quite that interesting. Yeah, totally. And and I think that that is definitely what I what I talk about in this book too that, you know, part of the reason why my subtitle is is well it's called Undaunted Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, but the the doubts side of things, it's like for a minute you think, okay, yeah, I'm going to go try it, and then you're like, eh, I don't know if it's going to work right. out. And then the more people you talk to, like especially your family, they're the worst cuz they they just don't like they don't want to see you hurt. They don't want to see you fail. Right. And so they're like, yeah, I don't know, you probably shouldn't do it. And anyway, what I found is that, you know, at the end of the day, like you got to just have smaller goals and smaller tries and then really and listen to the customer as well. Not necessarily ask the customer, but start to, you know, listen, because I think as I was creating hint and i had all these doubters like she doesn't know what she's doing she's a right. tech executive and now she's started this beverage company with no experience and i can't lie like you definitely hear when people from coca-cola are like this thing's gonna fail not gonna go anywhere but you know today we're the largest non-alcoholic beverage company in the u.s that doesn't have a relationship with coca that's so incredible right like it wasn't yeah. supposed to happen but if i would have said I'm going to go be the biggest, right? And I'm going to take on Coca-Cola. Like it really wouldn't happen because I did have these doubts that I was wrestling with, but you just go try. And you didn't know whether or not the gap was going to work out, but you know, you had a friend that was pulling you there and you're like, I don't know, seems kind of cool. Like San Francisco's fun. Why not? And uh, I can imagine that was, that was kind of your mindset. So you get to Target and and a really fascinating time when there were, so many changes going on. And I also remember, uh, you know, in addition, there was uh, some crisis going on with like oh, yeah. data breaches. And that you was know, one of them. Yeah, that that's was right. one of them. Great, great times. Right. And so tell me, what do you think you really learned when you got there? Um, there's no question. I mean, Target, and one of the reasons I went to Target, you know, again, a little bit of a story about it. At that moment in time, I was a partner and owner of a marketing services firm and loved what I was doing, really had a great challenge, quality of life, everything was really good. And I get an email from a recruiter and I just quickly wrote back and said, I'm, I'm just not interested. I love what I'm doing. And then a little bit later, he sends me another one and I'm like, listen, I own this company. I can't just leave. It's not that easy. And then he sent me a third email. And you know, when you get an email and you can see the attachment and you can kind of read the file name of the attachment and I could tell it said target. Hmm. So I double click it, I open it and it's the job spec to be the chief marketing officer for target. Hmm. And I wrote back to him and I just said, okay, now you're messing with me. And I talked to my wife and obviously 
you know, we we're big fans of the company. And, and she said, you absolutely have to talk to them. Yeah. So long story, I, I get the job, I go there and, you know, it's a giant, giant company. And now you're one of the top three or four executives in a, at the time, $70 billion company. So you learn a scale, you learn leverage, you learn that, you know, when you have thousands of people or more that you're responsible for, it's about the talent around you and how you hire and the team you build. That's the only way to get leverage. You know, I was there and, and had a really specific role to help navigate the company out of the data breach, mm-hmm. you know, far and away the biggest crisis in the company's history. I was also there when, you know, there was a social attack on the company being accused of allowing people with assault weapons to come shop at a Target store. I was there through the transgender bathroom, which we thought was a wonderful decision that became a crisis for the company. And so you just learn the, the, the punchline for me was we live in a tumultuous world mm-hmm. and you have to learn how to deal with uncertainty, make the best decision you can, get a lot of input from people, be a great listener, but ultimately make decisions and move forward because, you know, then I leave and go to Uber, lots of tumultuous times. Now I'm leading block through this world that we're in today. And so trying to build skills to lead through uncertainty and crisis and change, I think is one of the ultimate things we all have to learn how to do. Yeah. And people so frequently have said to me over the years, some directly to me, but some sort of just in in passing, like never look back. And I've always felt like, oh, no, you should look back. Like you can learn a lot when you look back on on history. And I I mean, clearly, do you agree with that? Well, I do. I mean, I'm always looking forward. I'm definitely a forward focused person. But I think when you are really curious and you're trying to build a set of skills based on your experience, being able to look back and reflect and remember and draw on those experiences, I think is super important. I totally agree with you. Yeah. And I think especially when, you know, people sort of get down on themselves because they're like, oh, I failed or they won't move forward because they're so afraid, right, of, of doing things. I think that what you did that was just so remarkable, I mean, I remember when you were leaving Uber even, it was like, people are like, wait, what, where is he going? And, you know, you you just decided that it like wasn't your thing, right? And yeah. you left with dignity and, you know, and you and then, you know, later on, we obviously they've got new management and everything, but you, you right. find out that, you know, there were some real challenges, but I think also it, it sort of speaks to, you know, you kind of knowing where you can kind of do your best work too, which is not, you know, what everybody can do or thinks about. They get so mesmerized by a brand more than anything else. I, you know, I think it, when you just think about leadership, for me, one of the most important things I've learned is you can't lead others if you're not really comfortable and confident with leading yourself. Mm -hmm. And that starts with just what do you value? What's important? What are you not good at? And I think over time, you just, you get more comfortable understanding the importance of the team around you and the kind of place you want to be at. I mean, I was so lucky in my very first job to have an incredible boss and he taught me a few things. And 
one of the things that that he taught me was this idea that job security is just knowing you're good enough to get another one. Mm-hmm. So true. And right. And so you know, I think when I when I talk to people, so many young people at different stages of their career that they're afraid of getting fired or they're really working more defensively than offensively because they're uncertain or lack confidence. And I think it's easy to say when you look back to your point about looking back, it's easy to look back at your career in the earlier days and see it a certain way. But now that, you know, you and I are at these stages of our, our career, I think the greatest gift we can give to other people is learning and teaching and the experience that to help people shortcut and grow and realize that, you know, if you're in your early twenties today, you're, you're going to be working for probably 40 some years in some way, maybe longer. Mm-hmm. So it's a really long game and you're going to get stuff wrong, but be a learner, you know, take risks, put yourself out there, work offensively, not defensively. I think over time you just, I don't know. It's I think it's just so incredibly important because so many people have so much to give, but they're afraid to be vulnerable and put themselves out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's another thing I talk about frequently is, you know, at every level, just because you're a, you know, CMO or you're, you know, a CEO of a company, I think that the best leaders I know are always craving being taught. And, you right. know, if you're a, you know, smart 21 year old, and I don't know, maybe, you know, a ton about Twitter, right. And, and you get in into a company and you do your job really well, but people start to pick up on this other stuff that you're really good at. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, somebody who is a leader, for example, that wants to know how to get on Twitter or TikTok or whatever, like that you go and work closely with, you know, these other people to kind of mentor them just because they're, in a higher level role or they're, or they're older or have a lot more experience. I feel like that's where a lot of this, like, I always talk about mentorship as when people have asked me to mentor them, I've said, you know, it may sound sort of uh, self-serving in some way, but I I actually want it to be two way. Like I want to know what I'm going to, you know, learn because I think I'll get more excited about having, you know, this relationship back and forth. And it's not to say that they can't learn a lot from me, but when I say like, when people say, how do I find a mentor? I'm like, figure out what you're good at. Figure out what you can bring to the table because you can, you can, you can bring things to the table that other people with more experience don't have. So. Yeah. You're reminding me right now, I'm mentoring a woman who is the head of marketing for Bombas. And we have regular phone calls and she comes so, so prepared with incredible questions. And she's such an incredible learner. And, and at the end of the call, she always says, gosh, I feel like there's something I should do for you. You know, you're helping me work through these things. What I always remind her is the question she's asking me is making me learn too. Totally. I, yeah, I agree too. And, and, and it also just keeps your, yeah, it keeps your mind going on, on different things. And so, but, but when I think about the, you know, education side and sort of the need to learn, then we jump to H&R Block. So you, right. you get recruited out of Target to come over to, H- or sorry, out of when Uber. I left Uber. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And, um, and so what exactly, like, obviously you talked a little bit about your name and you weren't sure if they were actually looking for you or not, but what really excited you about this? 
Well, I mean, to, to be totally clear, I, I thought I would stay in Silicon Valley. You know, that's where the energy was. That's where I was having a lot of conversations about what's next. And this call comes in. And as I started to listen, what, what I basically saw was this incredible company that was not in trouble. Mm-hmm. It's, it's big. It generates a lot of cash. It has an incredible brand. It's well-trusted. And so on one hand, you look at it and say, all right, well, what's, what's interesting about the challenge? But the thing that got me most excited was uh, that it was not growing anymore. Hmm. And what I saw from the outside, and it's turned out to be true, I just celebrated my third anniversary here, was what I called at the time a crisis of relevance. And that crisis of relevance ultimately was about diversifying and serving more customers in more ways. How do you leverage this? You know, the the average American gets a refund and that tax refund is literally the biggest check they have in their hands all year long. And we serve people who need help. Mm -hmm. And that sense of purpose, we literally say our purpose is to provide help and inspire confidence. And I used to joke with people that most of my career had been trying to convince people to buy things they don't need. And H&R Block is this company that, that plays a very important role in America. It helps people at a really important time, but it wasn't growing because of relevance. And the relevance really had to do with two big things, overall quality and digital. And as a retailer, those were things I thought I could really help with was digital transformation and modernizing the company and helping us get on a growth trajectory again. And that's, that's what we're doing. And that's why I'm here. And, and ultimately, that's what got me excited about joining. So the pandemic hits, and it's uh, chaos and pandemonium for everyone. Tell me about H&R Block and obviously taxes. And, you know, during 2020, what, what was sort of your life like? Well, my life was chaos like everyone, as you said. I mean, so think about for us, so it's in early spring, which is the height of tax season. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have a large growing digital business, but what's not intuitive to most people is most Americans turn to someone for help with their taxes. And so here's a point in time when there's financial distress, the economy's bad, unemployment's growing, people need their refund check, yet they're being told not to leave their house. And we have 10,000 offices and 80,000 people who we're trying to protect and keep safe. Like so many retailers, you're, you're dealing with that first priority of protecting your people and clients. But the, what was extra hard for us was then the tax filing deadline got moved to July. Mm-hmm. And that crossed into a new fiscal year for us. So now we're faced with dealing with the pandemic. Our fiscal year 20 is going to be in trouble because so much of the business is literally moving to a new fiscal year. Mm-hmm. And that basically is the kind of the framing of the problem. Like we all had a version of that in our businesses. But like so many other companies, incredible silver linings from that. And I'm sure you've talked to other entrepreneurs and CEOs that tell you the same thing. I saw faster product innovation in COVID than I've ever seen since I've been here. 
we shifted the business model. We had thousands of different business models happening across the country all at one time. Never done that before. We had tax pros now working from home. Never done that before. Hmm. We had been investing in all these digital capabilities so you could get the human help and expertise from block that you, that you want, but it now all happens on your mobile phone. You don't have to go anywhere. All of those things really got tested during COVID, but uh, at the end of the day, that world is accelerating and I'm really, really happy we're ready for it. That's amazing. And so everybody did their taxes in July and it was like, what, what percent actually came in? Because obviously you had places that were open. What's incredible about taxes, and this is a, this is a human thing, but if you think about you know, 80 million people a year get assistance from somebody doing their taxes. And every single year, our busiest day is the last day of tax season. Mm-hmm. No matter what, even when people know they're going to get a refund, even when they really want that refund check and they need it in their, in their bank account, everyone waits till the last minute. Yeah. And so we try to take that pressure off people and, and, and do the work for them, obviously. But even with offices closed, we saw, you know, our business grew over 3% this year in COVID. So we served more clients than last year, even with that operating environment. That's amazing. That's, that's so great. Uh, do you feel that, like that's going to change for 2021? I mean, how, how do you plan for that? Like, do you think people go back to sort of business as usual? Or do you think that, I feel like 2020 was just, it was a change. I've said to my, my kids, I have three in college and we've had this conversation, one in high school, that I feel like 2020 is, you know, going to definitely everyone, it's, it's memorable to say the least, but I feel like it's a, a time in business where, you know, for me, that was the mid nineties, right? Yeah. Like, it was like a, it was a huge change that just got accelerated and it just like what kicked into gear. And I don't think we're going back. I mean, I look at, you know, the grocery industry, for example, and you know, what Instacart, Instacart was there, but it got ignited by, you know, this pandemic and That's right. Zoom, like it was there, but it it just like people just adapted really, really fast. And and I feel like that's what happened with your industry as well. Yeah. I, I mean, who who knows, right? But I think that, you know, there is no normal. We're not going back to anything. So I totally agree with you there. I think we're all learning new behaviors. And when you think about depending on where you live, because this has become a very local thing, obviously. But it could be a solid year or more of operating, working, dealing with what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And any behavior that you do for a year becomes a new behavior. It's just how we're wired as humans, right? And so I do think when, whenever we're able, whether it's vaccine or, or better care, or drugs, whatever it ends up being, a combination of those things, I think we will see people who are so excited to be able to be in public again, we'll see retail have a little bit of a resurgence. We'll see things because it feels fresh and new again. But I also know that digital behavior has changed forever. Mm-hmm. And I think all businesses have to be ready for that. Yeah, I love it. You know, I think what's so unique about your experience, and I did not know that you had been an entrepreneur. I mean, you had worked in very 
you know, entrepreneurial companies, but yes, you, you're starting to make a lot more sense to me and sort of how, <laughs> how you move and, you know, and I, I love it. I think it's great. And it's very rare actually that, you know, people, once they have done sort of the entrepreneurial thing that they go back into, you know, big companies right. again, again. Uh, do you ever think about going back and starting your own thing? For sure. I mean, I, I, I really do. I think, again, I've been very lucky that even in the biggest companies, I've been able to stay true to who I am and how I operate. And you can be, you can operate like an entrepreneur in many ways inside big companies. And, you know, I think that's what I've tried to do and have had some success doing it. It's definitely how I lead H&R Block. I love it. You know, creating pace, pushing decisions away from me. I call it connected culture. I mean, that that's how companies... If you, when you think about, you know, what do we need? We need more growth. How do we get more growth? We need more relevance. We get more relevance by being more innovative. We get more innovative by creating more speed. We create more speed by trusting each other more. I mean, I, that's, that's how I try to connect all of those things. It's why we think about belonging and inclusiveness as a company the way we do. It's why we put purpose in the center the way we do, because though, you know, starting inside with people and talent and culture is the key to getting the outcomes we want. And so that's an, that's an entrepreneurial mindset to business. We're just doing it at a very large scale. Yeah, I love that. That is, that is so true. So where can people find uh h&r block hrblock.com well for sure you know you can visit on the website you know you can you probably see us in the world driving or walking depending on what city you're in and you know i, I think when, when i look at what we're up to and the digital changes we're making the other piece of the puzzle that most people don't even know about h&r block is how we serve small businesses mm-hmm you know, we serve over two and a half small business owners today in tax and bookkeeping and payroll. And so that part of our business has become incredibly important now as small business owners are struggling, you know, they're, they're looking for help. They're running their businesses on gut and intuition. They're struggling with their finances. And so, you know, again, H&R Block is known as a consumer tax company, but the small business side of what we're doing is actually really, really relevant to today. Oh, that's interesting. I did not know that. So that's really, really good to know. And how many locations do you have? We, uh, it's crazy to, to think about this. We have 10,000 U.S. locations. Amazing. Yeah. That's, wow, that's that's amazing. And you guys used to be in Sears, right? Are you still, I remember like it was H&R, right? It was that a, was a long time ago. But yeah, we did have locations in Sears and... Uh, those those days are over, but we are still about one third franchised and two thirds company owned. And so, when I mentioned earlier that we literally have thousands of small business owners that are in the H and R Block family because they're franchises, and you know they've they've had the same anxiety and struggles as any small business owner does. Business changes, cash flow gets tight. You know what are the strategies I should put in place to help survive if I don't get a stimulus payment. Mm -hmm. I mean, th those things are, are, are very, very real. And when I think about my history, you know, being the son of small business owners, 
having some entrepreneurial experiences myself. It's part of today's business at Block that gets me really excited is seeing what we can do to take that financial pressure off of people so they can actually go do what they love to do the most. Yeah, I love that. That is super great. And you you write a lot too on I know on LinkedIn and some other platforms and I just you're so inspirational, Jeff. Seriously. Uh, thank you, Kara. Means a lot hearing you say that. And I love that you've bounced into different industries. You understand the entrepreneur, but you understand obviously how to run a big company and and uh, really lead with purpose as well. So, you know, one last point. I know that you obviously are resilient and you've said that you've got entrepreneurial resilience. What do you think is like kind of when somebody's really facing doubt and how do you ultimately push forward in some way? So I'll, I'm going to take us back to baseball real quick and make a quick connection full circle. So when I played baseball, I had a chance when I left my little town in West Virginia, I went to a place called Fork Union Military Academy where I played baseball. And I recently had a chance to go back there and give the commencement speech. And I talked to them about three things, reputation, relationships, and resilience. And to answer your question, the way I connected it for the graduates at Fork Union was, for me, the way I've thought about resilience is by surrounding myself with people who I can count on to help me know the truth. Mm -hmm. Those are about relationships. And to have a sense of personal values that you can always come back to when things get really uncertain, that's reputation. And I think those things really go together because I've never been a fan of the, the axiom fail fast, mm -hmm. but I'm really curious. I love to learn. I'm constantly experimenting. And when you have a great network and when you have a clear sense of personal purpose, then those two things help you build resilience because you can't do anything by yourself. And I think entrepreneurs have this feeling of they're going to take it all on and do it themselves, but you need help. Yeah. Uh, and that's how I've tried to tie all those three things together. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is, uh, that's super, super important and huge wisdom coming out of that statement. I love it. So where do people find you on social? Uh, at Jay Jones on Twitter. Uh, you can, you can finally be pretty active there. And, um, I've been trying to wean my wean and prioritize my social media lately. So it's probably more LinkedIn and Twitter. I do love to write and share and share those thoughts. I think, again, it goes back to a gift of teaching and helping other people who are at different stages of their career, just try to pick up a nugget or learn something from, you know, what I've been able to learn as well. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Jeff and everybody. Uh, give some great reviews to Jeff and uh, super important so we can get the algorithm up on uh, the podcast and also subscribe and all that kind of stuff and come back every Monday and Wednesday. We have really awesome guests like Jeff that are joining us where we can not only hear how they are building something, but changing industries and lots of leadership wisdom and a super, super great interview, Jeff. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kara. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.